0: Welcome into The the Clap Trap, Trap. brought to you by Ultrasound Productions, now also playing on 90.7 WKKL.
1: Hey Max, can you take us through your thoughts about how the enforcement process went tonight and your reaction to Joe Girardi asking for you to be checked in addition to the two other checks that were already done by the umpires? Yeah, I mean, the two checks were, I guess, normal. You know, umpires, I, you know, this is new for everybody, but, uh, you know, like, hey, they're checking your hat, they're checking your glove. I mean, you're, you're ready for them to check your hands. You know, like, I wasn't, you know, just using Rosin tonight, so wasn't doing anything. That, that's all fine. And then obviously, Girardi, um, you know, for me, it's, you know, kind of confusing. Um, if you watch the bomb at Bat, bat, um, I, mean, I just, I almost put a 95 mile an hour fastball on his head cause the ball slipped on my hand. Um, you know, the whole night I was sick of kind of licking my fingers and tasting rosin the whole night. So the only part I couldn't even get sweat from the back of my head cause it wasn't a really a warm night. Um, so for me, I, the only part that was sweaty on me was actually my hair. Um, so I had to take off my hat to be able to try to get any type of, uh, you know, try to get some type of moisture on my hand, uh, to try to, you know, mix with the mix with the rosin. And so, um, you know, for me, that's that's the confusing part. Is I'm just trying to get a grip of the ball. and You can even watch in that previous bat, the ball slipped out of my hand, almost drilled something in the face.
0: And here we go again. All right, we are going to start off today's show continuing to talk about the scandal that is going on in baseball because I am finding it the most interesting and uh, funniest thing going right now, not just because baseball is really the only sport going uh, but because this is just hilarious to me, uh, the way that these pitchers are coming out and complaining and the, the uh, displays of just tantrums and babyness, which is not a word uh, <laughs> that is being displayed by these pitchers out on the mounds and afterwards in their post game conferences. It is just hilarious to me and I'm eating it up. And now, diehard baseball fans, I don't know how you really feel about this. Uh, this whole subject here. So I, you know, some of my takes might not be the best for you right here, but, you, you know, you're it's it's coming from more of a casual standpoint here. And I do think that this is good for the game of baseball, and I'll explain to you why. Uh, why I think that is as, as we continue to go through all of these comments. And that was Max Scherzer from the Nationals, one of, if not the best pitcher in the league for the last couple of seasons, if not the last, what, like five seasons. This guy has been absolutely dominant. And, um, you know, he was, he during his game the other day, was asked, uh, you know, to check, uh, his, his equipment just to make sure because that is what all the umpires are doing with every single pitcher right now. And it can be done by the other manager's discretion. And it's, it's a whole new world and these comp- pitchers are confused and they're complaining and they're whining about everything that's going on. And I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm enjoying all of it. And I, I find it interesting going into the psychological side of things with these pitchers and the way that they're reacting to things. So instead of just kind of, you know, rolling with it and, and and making sure that your pitches are going to be the best they can be you're going to go with the uh, you know deny and uh, almost just threaten basically to everyone else around the league or in the league so to the to league offices or to other players what you're what he they're coming out and saying is this is going to be dangerous for the batters. Because I'm going to be throwing pitches at players' heads. I'm going to be losing control of the ball left and right. And that's just crazy. That's crazy to me because you're talking about professional athletes, right, who have been pitching since day one, you know, since they started uh, very early in their careers, I'm sure. And these pitchers, especially the ones at the very top level, should be able to have some control over a baseball. I understand that you get sweaty in a game. I get it. It's harder to grip it. That is why they have the rosin bags. That is the reason they give you that. And I know that they've pushed the limits with everything with pine tar and all these different, uh, you know, now it's spider tack and all these other weird sticky substances. And they're trying to act as if it's been in the game forever. And maybe it has to a certain standpoint. But the things that you're using at this point where balls are literally sticking to catchers chest pads and players can just stick a ball to the bottom of their hand and it just sits there. This is a little too much, right? We're past the point of of just having some pine tar on your neck or on your on your wrist or something like that, or in your glove. We're pa- we're past those points of 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 just regular substances that are used around the game. You're now going out and getting chemical substances specifically used for gripping objects to do this. It's gotten to be too much, and what it's done is it's made one of the worst years of baseball. Uh, at least from my standpoint, right, from a more casual standpoint, because there is no hits happening in baseball. You have some of the worst averages that have ever happened in the MLB because of these substances and because of the abuse that these pitchers are using it at, right? They are going at a level unheard of before, and it's only getting worse every single year, it seems, because now – as I've said before, it's all about spin rate. It's all about how much you can you can put on that ball. And what's the best way to get the best spin rate? To get the most stuff or the most sticky substances that you can sneak in there on your fingers. Because that's the only way that these pitchers can apparently operate, right? that's the only way that they can they can actually be a top pitcher. That uh, apparently Max Scherzer the only reason that you were a top pitcher over these last couple of seasons is because you were cheating that badly, right? That's what I'm coming to find out here because if you were actually that good, you probably wouldn't be complaining. You wouldn't be at least to this level. You're you're losing your mind over it. You're you're talking about it in the post game. If you go and you look at the the actual game itself, he was he was absolutely distraught he was he was upset he was trying to uh disrobe himself out on the mound And, and i tweeted about it and sent out all the clips of it so go look on online for that it is very funny but i just can't believe that this guy is acting as though there's just no way he's going to be able to pitch correctly or keep control and not seriously injure someone if he doesn't have these ridiculous substances clap trap
2: Max, um, when we talked to you last week about just
0: this crackdown coming, you mentioned sort of the fear that, you know, a ball could let loose or you wouldn't be able to get grip on a fastball. Is is that pitching that bomb at bat and you talking about tonight being tough for you to get any grip, any kind of sweat? Is that sort of a microcosm of that issue that you discussed with us that kind of could be the, the problem here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. That that pitch specifically is the pitch I fear the most. I don't want to throw that pitch. I do not want. To, I do never want to throw a ball near somebody's head. And tonight, the ball did. Uh, ball obviously was trying. To, you know, the previous at bat, I was able to get a fastball by him and um, on an inside fastball, and I was literally trying to throw the same exact pitch, and it slips out of my hand and it ends up near his face. And I mean, thank God it did not hit him in the face. I I don't ever want to put a fastball in somebody's face, but we almost had that tonight. Um, ball slipped out my hand.
0: But, you know, it's out of your hands, right? It's it's the ball. It's that. That you can't find any grip. So, obviously, what, what you need to be letting everyone know is, hey, it's about to happen. I'm about to throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball in someone's face. Because that's what that sounds like to me. You're warning everyone that tonight I was able to kind of control it. And, and yes, it got close, but it didn't hit him in the face, luckily. And I never want to do that. But it's coming. It's, it's coming. Because that's what Max Scherzer feels at this point is that he is going to lose. Lose so much control of his grip on the ball that he's going to start injuring people. He's going to start seriously hurting players by throwing at their faces. Come on, man, do you not understand how this sounds? I like I, I get that you you're upset I get that you don't want things to change. People have a hard time with change. That's always how it's going to be, and you guys are, are are taking it really hard right now. I get that, but I'm sorry. This is just kind of like the the. It's a great way of showing it's uh, of what this sport actually needs, which is change. Right. This is the the players and the old fuddy duddy baseball diehard fans who don't want anything about their game to change. And they're just going to complain about it as if it's it, There's no way you could change something about this sport. It's too perfect that you can't you can't mess with what the pitchers are allowed to use on their hands. You can't change anything about the game itself because the sanctity of baseball. How could you? It's ridiculous. It, you do understand that it's ridiculous, right? As a fan of of baseball, even the most diehard of fans of baseball. And like I said, you, if you if you're out there, I'm sorry if this is offending you in any way, but you might not agree with what I'm saying here. Baseball has to change. It has to change on many levels. If you want your sport to survive, I've said this many times before, I've gone on this rant for different reasons. If you want your sport to survive... If you don't want to completely fall away in the next 10 to 15 years, you're going to have to change. You're going to have to make your game more interesting. You're going to have to speed your game up. And now these pitchers are coming out on top of the fact that they're they're having to change their ways. They're complaining so much about it and threatening that games will take longer or I'm going to hurt people. And yes, they are going to take longer. When you sit there and complain on the mound, that something that should take 20 seconds of, hey, let me check your hat. Let me check your glove. Okay, you're good. turns into a two, three to five minute affair because you want to take off your belt and throw your pants down like, what, what am I supposed to do? There's no, I have nothing on me. I can't believe you would even think that I would do. Literally every pitcher in the game uses some type of substance. Every one of you are coming out and complaining about it now. It's pretty clear. We're going to have to come together and change the game, right? So a part of the game changes could be that you make the rosin bag, Something that is stickier for you. Some sub some type of substance is allowed to be put into those rosin bags that literally everyone in the game is allowed to use. Not you know, this guy gets better spider tack than this guy, or this guy's got a guy who's got a chemical formula that makes his hands stickier than the than the guy down the street. No, everybody gets the same exact rosin bag with some kind of chemical in it, or whatever you want to do, make it the legal move, right? That's going to be the best way to to remedy this situation, not just allowing anyone to do whatever the heck they want, because I think that that's what pitchers still want. They want to just be able to be left alone. Let me do my thing. Things are going great for me right now as a pitcher. Yes, maybe they are, but they're going terribly for batters, right? And so you're, you're still taking away from the game, and the, the pitchers seem to be one-sided about it. They can only see that you're messing with the pitchers right now. Well, you're also you're just overall messing with the product that is going to be out there on the field. So I find it crazy that none of these pitchers understand it. Just kind of keep your mouth shut at this point. You're not going to win this battle. You've already lost in the the court of public opinion. I I can't see how even the most diehard of fans don't look at this and they kind of just say, man, that's a little sad right these pitchers coming out and complaining this way crying like babies taking their pants off on the field because they're upset that they even got questioned about using a substance when we know that you all use substances it's it's just clear it's very known so if you're going to act like we we have no idea what's going on or or you know each pitcher is supposed to be taken at their word that they're not using anything come on we're coming to a point Where the crackdown is so hard that you've noticed a substantial dip in spin rate since this whole scandal has started. A a, a very noticeable amount, right? So that's pitchers not using their substances anymore, right? Right. Or, 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 you know, they're, they're not doing a good job of, of hiding it anymore. So they're just thinking, I think even at some point in, in Scherzer's comments, he started saying, I would have to be a fool to have used something tonight, which is just stating that you would use it on another night. If it wasn't everyone looking at you, you would have used it. That's what you're saying right there. So <laughs> these pitchers, they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. I don't understand how you can't just, like, keep your mouth shut, Go through the quick 20-second checks. If you don't have anything going on, why is it a big deal? You feel offended that someone's asking if you might have something where we're in the middle of a scandal that shows that probably 90% of pitchers at least are using some type of illegal substance to gain an advantage? You're going to be offended by that and and flip out and take five minutes of the game and make it longer because you can't understand that there is a clear scandal going on I, I don't know what to tell you. you. You just you you don't have enough up top to understand this, and it's crazy to me. Trap,
3: how are you able to sort of, you know, get through that moment in the fourth, and then sort of settle yourself back into the game? You seemed fairly heated when the ums come out, but then you're kind of able to just get back in pretty
1: seamlessly. Or I guess how's the next sort of at bats go for you? I wasn't heated. I was just trying to show I have absolutely zero on me. I have nothing on me. Check whatever you want. I'll take off all my clothes if you want to see me. Um, I got nothing on me.
3: Were you saying it was sweat,
2: You like you're maybe singling your hair, just kind of trying to say that that's where your only thing you're getting, sweat?
1: Yeah, the, o- the only part that was really sweaty enough on me to be able to grab any type of moisture was on my hair. Um, it wasn't a warm night's night, so the back of my neck really wasn't that sweaty uh, when I tried to get there. Um, and so for me, the only, pa- the only body part that actually had enough sweat on it was my hair. So, um, you know, that's fortunate tonight, but, I mean – this is going to be dangerous when you know, you're know you in a cold game and you have no sweat. Uh, what, what will we do then?
0: Max, buddy, come on, man. We all know that you were upset. You're saying that you weren't upset when the umpire came out and you, started, you threw your glove on the ground. You threw your hat. You took off your belt. You threw that. You took off your pants. You started bringing those down as people huddled around you to be like, whoa, 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 man, calm down. Relax. It's okay. We're just asking. Uh, you weren't upset. I find that funny. And then, uh, once again, he ends all the, those comments there with threatening things are going to get dangerous. What happens when it's cold out? What happens when I'm not sweating? What happens when I'm not active enough and I'm not, I don't have enough sweat on my body? Then I'll have no control of this baseball, and I'm definitely going to hurt a bunch of people by throwing at their faces. I just, there's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, and maybe nobody else finds this as entertaining as I do, but with these these pitchers are finally getting thrown in the fire and they're coming out with these types of comments afterwards. It's just laughable to me. It's it's making me think that, you know, a lot of these pitchers and baseball players, or I guess just pitchers right for right now, because we're not hearing anything from the batters other than chuckles, I would assume. These pitchers are just showing their true colors. They're they're really not fighters, right? They're not going to take this one on the chin and come and try and, and fire right back. You'll see. I'm going to pitch without any substances. Now I'm going to get better, any of that kind of stuff. They're just defeated. They feel they they their their back is against the wall, so they're lashing out. Things are going to get dangerous. I'm going to start. Games are going to go longer. I'm going to start throwing at people's heads. Blah blah blah. I can't have any control over the ball. You're a professional pitcher in the MLB, making tens of millions of dollars to be able to throw a baseball, and you can't figure it out. I just – so what are you saying, Max Scherzer, that without cheating to this extent, you would have never gotten to this point? So there's no point in you even trying or or, or to, to show that you can do it without any substances? Because you freaking out this much about it shows that you were using something. So don't act like you didn't. Don't act, I mean, we had Garrett Cole continuing to freak out before about his issues. You now have Max Scherzer. That's two of the best pitchers in the game that have been using this stuff. So are you trying to tell us that you've been just using this substance or these substances to get to your $100 million contracts, and now that you're being called out about it, there's no way you'll be able to ever pitch again? I, I just I, I find that hard to believe. So you had Max Scherzer taking off his pants. You had Sergio Romo from the Athletics taking off his pants, doing a similar thing there. They're all throwing tantrums. It's hilarious to me. And then the Red Sox have a guy by the name of Garrett Richards. Right, and Garrett Richards is so defeated at this point that it, it's it's one of the most comical reactions I've seen. Garrett Richards was having an okay year, I guess, at best, and now this sticky substance thing comes in, and he is absolute hot garbage at this point. I'm gonna play his comments now, and then we'll go over that.
2: Hey, Garrett. Hey. You see, uh, what what were you kind of struggling with the most tonight? Uh, you know, I felt like I had good stuff. Um, just trying to locate it the best I can. Um, you know, going through a little transition period right now, uh, changing some grips on some of my pitches, um, learning new pitches, uh, you know, just trying to figure this whole thing out. Um, like I said, a little transition period, um, still, still determined to get it figured out. Um, just uh, you know, on the fly having to kind of figure out how to how to get through it. But um yeah, just uh trying to just compete, man. Just trying to get out.
0: Do you hear that? Do you hear how defeated that man is? He is beaten. He has been beaten down. He doesn't know what to do. He's trying to figure it out. It's on the fly. How am I supposed to figure out how to pitch? You guys are ridiculous. How can you take this substance away from me? How am I supposed to act as if I knew how to pitch at all before these substances? I can't believe this. This is, he's so defeated. It's ridiculous. I I, I mean, and I've been gloating about the fact that going into the season, I thought that the pitchers were going to be trash for this Red Sox team. And then I had to eat crow kind of because for some reason, the first couple of months there, they were actually pretty dominant. It was wild. Nick Pavetta was undefeated. Uh, Garrett Richards looked like a comparable pitcher. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, we had other players that were doing good pitching, and then it all stopped. And now they're giving up at least ten runs a game, basically, or or there's ten runs every single game. It's it's wild. And Garrett Richards couldn't even get out of the second inning against the Rays. He gave up a ton of home runs and all this stuff. This team is defeated. These pitchers are defeated. And I'm here for it. I'm eating it up. I find it funny, and you know what? What are they going to do? What, you're you're just going to give up? Are you just going to act like there's no chance for you now that there's no spider tack or these other substances? You're you're going to have to go and and find a new job, I guess. I don't know what you're going to do because you're not going to be able to pitch at this level, making your ten million dollars a year. Right. Garrett, you, you, you tricked everyone into thinking that you were actually a good pitcher or even a serviceable pitcher because of these substances. And now we're finding out that you can't do crap without it. And you're going to cry about it and act as if oh your life is over now. There's no fight in you, man. There's nothing you got. You're you're just kind of going to roll over uh, and, and die, I guess. I, I, that's how it's going to go, because you seem so defeated. It's ridiculous all right we got one more comment from Garrett Richards and then I guess I'll stop complaining about all of this nonsense until next week which I will continue going because I think it's funny and I think that the the, the players are going to continue dropping these sign, sound bites that make me laugh and I hope that there's more uh, you know, craziness because like I said earlier I do think that this is good for the game so let's play this last Garrett Richards clip we'll dissect it and I'll get into why I think that it's good for the game
2: I think that like everything that's going on right now kind of affects everything I'm kind of- just learning how to throw a baseball right now with what we got so it's it's definitely different than what i've had in the past obviously yeah this is all new for me um like i said i'm trying to figure it out and uh just go out there and compete and give us a chance to win
0: i'm kind of just trying to figure out how to throw a baseball right now with what we've got you're trying to figure out how to throw a baseball come on man there's no way there's no way you can't throw a baseball without sticky stuff on your fingers that's just mind-boggling to me I just don't understand how these professional athletes supposedly athletes can't figure it out they're all defeated they needed to have the substances or else they were nothing he's literally saying he doesn't know how to throw a baseball without spider tack on his fingers did you do you hear how crazy that is why would you even say that why, why even come out and say something like that in your post-game comments? I, <laughs> am, am I living in a bizarre world? I don't understand what these pitchers think is going to happen to their fan base if they continue to come out and just complain and act like babies and say, I don't even know how to play baseball without substances. I don't even know how to do it without cheating. I... I I don't know. I'm almost at a loss for words, but I keep laughing about it, so I'm going to keep talking about it. But like I said earlier, I think that this is good for the game of baseball, and I'll elaborate on that take right now, because I think that when it comes to the game of baseball, when it's at its most popular, or at least when it's been at its most popular since I've been alive, there have been major cheating scandals going on during that time period, right? Now, it's a little bit different with this one because the, 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 the reason that everyone is, is jumping on to watching the game, at least that you're getting more casual fans at this point, is because it's being called out. The cheating scandal is being called out right now. They're calling out pitchers. They're taking away substances, all this stuff, which is leading to more hits, higher scoring games, more excitement from the batting standpoint. But when it was the original st- scandal that I'm talking about, the steroid scandal yeah, we saw the crazy hitting and everything like that, but you didn't really hear about it until near the end of the, the scandal, right? That's when they started cracking down on the steroids and everything, and then you have all the uh, the court cases and Raphael Palmeiro saying that he didn't do it and Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and home run races and all these things. That was exciting. That was when baseball was at its peak, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, 90s or, you know, mid to early 90s, was when I was really getting into it. And then you have all these crazy batters going into the the early 2000s, uh, you know, home run races. Like I said, Barry Bonds breaking the all time home run record. You had Mark McGuire and, and Sammy Sosa or, or Mark McGuire and, and Fenway Park mashing home runs in that home run derby. I remember that one was amazing. That was like 98. I don't know what year it was. That was when it was exciting in baseball. And it was because of the hitting side of things that it was exciting in baseball. Yes, the pitchers were taking steroids, too, like Roger Clemens and all these other players who were throwing crazy fastballs and and whatever you want to say. But the hitting side of things is what made baseball more interesting. So if you are out there as a diehard baseball fan and you don't understand that the best thing for your game is to get the casual fans interested, then you're going to end up watching your sport die off. It's going to end up being lower rated than soccer in America at some point. You're not going to be able to keep sustaining uh a a fan base when your product is an average of three and a half hours long and the majority of the time these players are just using a sticky substance that is just making it so it's a one nothing game a two nothing game like these pitchers duels and yes of course the pitchers are going to love that they're pitchers they want to get outs they're not there for offense it's like a goalie in hockey you're just trying to make it the least scoring possible right you're not you're not interested in home runs and all of these things, but you know who is interested in all of that? The casual fan, and you know who is going to keep your game going in the future? The casual fan. I'm sorry, but the diehards are right now. The majority of diehard baseball fans are at least you know 70 years old I would say they're they're up there in age and they are listening or watching these games and I always make the joke and I'm sorry if I offend anyone by saying this but mo- majority of the viewership for Red Sox games or these baseball games are the people who go and they fall asleep on their couch and they leave the TV on for the entire time because they're 78 years old and they can't stay up for four hours to watch a baseball game until 1130 at night it's just not going to happen unless they just sit there falling asleep on their couch or recliner and and leaving the TV on. That's where you're getting a lot of your viewership right now. So the younger, diehard baseball fans, because I know there are some, there's always going to be some, right? The newer generation of baseball fans, it's getting smaller and smaller. And if you don't realize that, you're going to get left in the dust. I don't know how else to say it. These pitchers are coming out and they're complaining and they're making a mockery of it and they're doing all of these things. But what it's leading to is an explosion in runs around the league. I, you know, I'm a gambler myself. The overs have been hitting at a ridiculous rate in majority of these games here. You're ha- you're seeing home runs. You're seeing more hits. All of this stuff is exactly what the game needs. When I was complaining before uh, going into the season about the things that the, that needed to change, it was about taking away the shift or you know Im- implementing a pitch clock so we go quicker and things like that. And what that's really going to do is it's going to produce more situations where balls are being hit in play, right? You're going to have pitchers going quicker and trying to get things moving, but you're also going to have no shift so that you can actually get more hits and there's going to be more production and more base runners and more excitement in the game. That's what you need to keep your sport alive. If you don't, it will die. I'm sorry to be the one to break it to you. I'm sure you've heard it a million times before, and if you just don't believe it, I I don't know what else to tell you but your sport is starting to die. So what this is, this is good. This is a good thing for baseball because we're talking about baseball, right? I've been only talking about baseball this entire show so far. And I know it's that time of year where baseball is the only thing around, but come on, this is exciting for baseball. This is good. This is a good thing. So diehards, don't be mad at me. This is good for your game right now, all right? All right, switching it up to basketball now. The Celtics have made another big move for the offseason. First move being getting rid of Kemba. Second move now is hiring a head coach. And the Celtics have gone with former Nets assistant coach Ime Odoka. And he is going to be taking over for Brad Stevens in this very interesting situation that the Celtics have. And hopefully being able to right this ship, helping right this ship. Um now, as I've said before, you guys knew that my criteria for who the next coach was going to be was whoever Jason Tatum wanted it to be, and all reports have come out saying that not only Jason Tatum, but I guess Jalen Brown and also uh, Marcus Smart have all been were, were included in this decision-making process, and they all agreed with it. So you got my one criteria, which was Jason Tatum's on board for it, okay? Now, why was Marcus Smart included in that process? I have no idea. The fact that they're still looking at him as that type of a player that needs to be, you know, asked about these types of situations is ridiculous to me. I get that he's supposed to be the heart of the team and the, the, uh, you know, the voice in the locker room and all this kind of stuff. Uh, or, or at least that's what people have said, but I think it's time to move on from that, and I, this is kind of showing me that they are not going to be moving on from Marcus Smart. So that's kind of upsetting that news right there, but... I'm just happy that a candidate was picked that the top player on the team actually wants because make no mistakes about it. I will continue to repeat this until I'm blue in the face. It only matters what Jason Tatum thinks at this point. We need to keep him happy, as happy as possible. He's your possible top five player in the league type of player that you need to have to be able to create a team that could win a championship in this league he is going to be that that piece right I love Jalen Brown like everyone else does but unfortunately Jalen Brown's ceiling is being you know at best a number two really he should be a number three if I'm being honest now if you could do something like bring in another player above Jalen Brown's level to mix with those two players now you're talking but until we do that, it's going to be really tough to compete in this league. So you have a new coach, and now this, this coach here is a former player – uh, he played briefly uh, you know, for a bunch of different teams in the league earlier on. And then I believe he played overseas as well before becoming an assistant coach. And I believe his first assistant coaching job was actually under Greg Popovich as the Spurs assistant coach. So he went from the Spurs to being an assistant for the 76ers to being an assistant for the Nets. So he has been an assistant coach for nine seasons total, he is experienced from a coaching standpoint, and I do like that. And I've even heard the take thrown out there, which I do agree with: that it's better that the Celtics went and didn't just get the the uh, the most recent former player, somebody like a Chauncey Billups, or you know one of those players who have just come out of playing recently and they're just kind of starting to get into the coaching career. No, this this guy Udoka has been an assistant coach for nine seasons and, you know, seen a lot of things was never considered a top player in any aspect of the game in any way. So he has always been kind of dedicated to the coaching side of things. So that take that I've heard from other people I like that. I like that that factor there, right? You're not just going to get Chauncey Billups because you think that the players will respect him more because he was the mo- one of the more recent players who is now going into the coaching level. Uh, it's kind of like a similar thing with Steve Nash, right, with the Nets, and they just kind of threw a player in there, but... It's somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. I'm excited for it. It's somebody who's going to change up the dynamic with everything in the Celtics organization right now. And I hate the the fact that some people in, in Boston are, are making it a race thing, which is gross to me. Anyone who's upset about this because it was a good idea for, for the team to have... A, an African-American head coach those people are ridiculous to me and there are people out there which is it, it's just stupid but I, I don't even want to you know talk about those people because they they're just ignorant to me but this is exciting this is an exciting move for the Celtics I'm happy about it not only because of the Jason Tatum thing, but because you're getting somebody who's kind of best of both worlds, right? A lot of people just wanted the best coaching candidate available, and I just wanted whoever Jason Tatum wanted, right? So you're getting a little bit of both because this guy is going to be a good coaching uh, or good coaching mind, I should say. He has never been able to be a head coach yet, but he's a good coaching mind, so I have a feeling that he could translate that over into being a good head coach, so he's got a little bit of that analytical side of things, I think. The Brad Stevens side of things. I'm sure that's why Brad Stevens likes him. And then he's also you know, been a former player. He's going to be respected in a lot of different aspects for these this team here. And that's important right now. That's going to, he's going to be able to mesh with this team much better and really, hopefully, move us in the right direction here. So I'm excited about it. I think you guys should be, too. And we're going to see what this can do for the team. Now, I still think that there's a lot of moves that need to be made. Um, and, and I think that this team needs more pieces, obviously. And we've heard, you know, interesting comments about who's going to be here, who's not going to be here going forward. And maybe this isn't the last big move of the offseason for the Celtics. I kind of hope it isn't. Because, you know, at this point... This team is still not ready to win a championship, but that we're going in the right direction. We're getting that new coach. We have that finalized. You got rid of Kemba Walker in that bad contract. You kind of brought in another bad contract, but it's more manageable, right? And you got a player in Al Horford, who is more of a pass first type of player who's going to defer to Tatum rather than a Kemba who was always going to be a more ball hog type player there. So it is good. We're making good decisions. Brad Stevens is doing good things for this team, and I think that we're going in the right direction here. Now, I do also want to talk about the one really goofy thing that happened because of this hiring, and that was the Jay Williams tweets. So, are you interested in working in a professional studio environment? Whether you're a podcaster, new or old, or a musician, just trying to get that professional sound Ultrasound Production Studio is now available for podcasters, musicians, and everyone in between that are looking to get that great quality and production value that comes from working at a professional studio. If you're interested in something like that, please visit the website at UltrasoundProductions.com or just email UltrasoundPro at Yahoo.com or even call at 781-956-2426. For more information. All right. So I kind of set it up in the last segment there, but the Jay Williams tweet comments is one of the funnier things that came out from the Celtics head coach hiring. So when the Celtics made the official statement, uh, Warzanowski, a woge bomb, came out uh, that said that this the Boston Celtics are finalizing an agreement to hire Brooklyn Nets assistant Emeo Odoku as the franchise's new coach. Sources tell ESPN. That was a tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski. So after that tweet was posted, Jay Williams, the real Jay, Will- at the real Jay Williams on Twitter, uh, who was an ESPN NBA analyst, came out with a tweet from his account, and it said one of the more ridiculous things um, that anyone could say, and I'm going to get into that. But first, let's read it, right? So the tweet actually says... The first head coach of color for the Celtics. He then throws in a a fist emoji, and then he says, And even more importantly, he is one talented individual who has paid his dues. And then a bunch of clapping hands emojis, right? So, as far as the tweet goes itself... If it wasn't for the misinformation, which we'll get into in a second, that's a very nice tweet, right? He's just saying that it's a very talented individual who has paid his dues and has earned this right to get this head coaching spot. The problem is, Jay, you threw in the first line of the first head coach of color for the Celtics. Now, I'm assuming you did that because of everything that has been going on with Boston recently. And so it seemed like the right thing to do to bring it back to that conversation, right? Well, I'm sorry, Jay, but you couldn't be more wrong when it comes to the Celtics head coaching situation over its history of the team. The Celtics were actually, uh, you know, paving the way for head coaches, African-American head coaches to be able to be in the league. Right. The very first head coach of color was actually Bill Russell. If you did your research. So Bill Russell, first ever coach as a player coach, but still was named the coach. Uh, The Celtics have also had five other African-American head coaches, including one that was more recent. And you should probably know about Jay Williams. The 2008 head coach of the Celtics was Doc Rivers. Okay, and he was a head coach since 2004 which I understand that, yes, Jay Williams only played one season in the NBA, and unfortunately he had a, a, a motorcycle accident that derailed his whole entire career, and I, I am sorry about all of that. But I still feel as though you were in the NBA around the time when Doc Rivers was coaching for the Boston Celtics. You should have probably known that. Now, simple mistake, right? You just had a, a brain fart, whatever you want to call it. He messed up. He made this tweet and you, you know what, you, sh- you should just come out when you make a bad tweet or you say a wrong thing and you say, hey, okay, hand up, made a mistake, wasn't thinking, was really excited, maybe, maybe you, you, you attack it from the angle of was really excited about this guy getting a head coaching job. Um, you, you know, I, I threw in that line there without even really thinking about it and whatever, and just play it off that way. Uh, but, oh, no, <laughs> the move that Jay Williams actually pulled after this all happened was one of the worst moves you can pull on a Twitter or a social media site or anything like that, in my opinion. He went with, and he tweeted it out. This is his actual tweet response. As it relates to the Boston Celtics tweet that came from my account a couple of hours ago, dot, 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 I did not post that, and my passcode has now been changed. Come on, man. I mean, seriously, they do that every year with the NFL on ESPN, the come on man segment. This is a come on man segment, Hall of Famer. You're going to come out and say that you didn't tweet that, that someone hacked into your account and posted this. On your account, this nothing tweet, which just had a simple mistake in it, was a hacked tweet. Do you understand what really happens when people's accounts get hacked? Especially someone to the level of an ESPN analyst. Anyone who has any type of celebrity at all who gets hacked on a social media site, the person who hacks them is not going to come out and say something nice and just slightly incorrect. No, they're going to go out and say something extremely inappropriate that makes that person look like you know they're actually saying something ridiculous, something that's going to be really newsworthy. But no, you're saying that someone actually hacked your account to go and put out a tweet that said, the first head coach of color for the Celtics, and even more importantly, he is one talented individual who has paid his dues. Does that sound like something that someone who spends a ton of time hacking into an account is going to use that hack for really i'm 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 asking everyone out there do you think with you know sincer- sincerity that this is actually what a hacker troll type of person would do on the internet and if you're not used to the internet and the twitter role uh, world and all of that kind of stuff these anonymous hackers and things like that, they are some of the worst people in the world. They would have said something absolutely disgusting if they had the ability to hack this. So Che Williams, come on, man. You're really going to use the I got hacked excuse in this scenario here? It's just so funny. And some of the tweets underneath it were, were very funny in response as well. I, I tweeted them out. Go follow me at the TheClapTrap or at ZachClap on Twitter, and I keep you know posting the whole saga of it on there. And the different tweets, because I thought it was very funny how people were saying things like, you know, I'm actually the hacker who dedicated years of his life to get to a point where he had a celebrity account like Jay Williams. And I decided that the funniest thing would be to send out this very nice tweet with just a little bit of misinformation. Really? That's Do you think that that's actually what – come on, Jay, be a bigger man than that. Just own up to your mistake and just move on. Nobody would have said anything, but now you're just national news because it's so hilarious that you thought that people would believe that you got your account hacked, and that's what they tweeted out. All right, so the last topic that I wanted to get into today was revolving around the NHL. Uh, the Some of the NHL awards or more of the NHL awards have come out and I don't really think that I got to talk about them last week. I don't think they had been out yet at that point. Um, but Patrice Bergeron has won the Marc Messier Award for Leadership this year, which is nice. That is always good. Um, it's kind of a, an interesting slash goofy award because of the way that it is uh, given out. The award itself is given to the player who exemplifies great leadership qualities of his team on and off the ice during the regular season. The award is picked by Marc Messier himself, and uh, it is is given suggestions from fans, coaches, and players, and then he decides who wins the award, actually, which I think is pretty funny here. Um... Because it's just basically a random player who used to play that is now able to give out an award, which is cool, I guess. Messier was pretty good, so that makes sense, I guess. But uh, yeah, so he picked Bergeron for that. It looks like from what I've researched into it, there was really only one choice for him this year, and it was Bergeron. And I get it. I, I mean, he he's a great player, a great person on and off the ice. He's the, This is his first year as a captain. So he was obviously more influential on the team. So he was given the award. And I think that it's a, a great choice for that, personally. But the award that he missed out on this year was a Selkie Award. And the Selkie Award is given to the best defensive defenseman in the league. Um, He would have had, he's already won four of them. This would have been his his fifth Selkie Award, would have been a record, uh, but he's going to have to wait and hopefully get it next year uh, as he continues to be one of, if not the best defensive uh, uh, forwards in the league, but just wasn't given the award this year. That award actually went to Alexander Barkov from the Florida Panthers. Um, and the the NHO gave its reasons why Barkov won the award, and there was three of those reasons. The reasons were that the Panthers team's goal against average was 2.7. Um, he was ninth among uh, all forwards in time on ice and his faceoff percentage was 54.9%. Now, those are some interesting statistics to give when we're talking about defensive forwards. I mean, I guess technically the the face-offs can be defensive-minded if they're in your own zone, so I guess you can put that out there. Time on ice is important because, you know, the more you're out on the ice, the more you can contribute. And then the overall team goals against average, that does make sense. But the funny thing about it is, in two out of those three categories, Bergeron was better, if not much better. Right. So with the the Panthers team goals against average was two point seven. The Bruins was two point three nine. The face off percentage for uh, Barkov was fifty four point nine percent. It was sixty two point two percent for Bergeron. Pretty high. And then the last thing was the time on ice. Now Barkov did play twenty. Uh, or, or about 21 minutes per game Uh, to Bergeron's only a little over 18, 18.13 uh, was the amount that Bergeron was on ice. So if you're looking at it from that standpoint, yes, Barkov was playing more minutes per game, uh, almost three minutes more per game. So from that standpoint, I definitely give it to Barkov there. Bergeron needed to, um, you know, he's getting older. There were times where he wasn't going to be able to be out there for 20 plus minutes in the game. Uh, but I will say that that Bergeron played in four more games than Barkov this year. Bergeron played 54, Barkov played 50. So I get that there also could be a little bit of recency bias where the voters for this award were saying, you know, Bergeron has won it for the last how many years in a row? Maybe we should give it to somebody else. Uh, but, it, you know, the stats don't lie. And if they were going off of the stats that was given by the NHL for the reasoning for it, then Bergeron actually won two out of three of those stats. So the only one that was won by Barkov was the time on ice. So you tell me, how should it be? But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because the, the, the Bruins really were just trying to win a Stanley Cup. And these awards, though they are cool, they mean much more when you've actually won a Stanley Cup than they're kind of like the icing on the cake or the cherry on top, whatever you want to call it. But when you don't win... You just keep looking back at how tough it was, right? These just kind of keep bringing up the worst uh, situations for Bruins fans because if you're still a, if you're just a regular hockey fan too, you've probably still been watching these playoff games here, and you're watching how uh, the Islanders are going to a game seven against Tampa Bay, and you know if you were able to just beat that Islanders team, would you have been able to put up a similar performance against Tampa Bay? It could have been there. I feel like you were pretty evenly matched against the Islanders. So if that's the case, then you would have been able to possibly play against that Tampa Bay team and, and compete against them as well. Now I'm not sure that the Islanders are going to beat the lightning and move on to the Stanley cup, but they've given them a heck of a battle and that overtime game 6 was you know uh, i would assume emotionally very draining for all the new york islanders fans considering it was could be possibly and most likely is the last time you will see the islanders in that home stadium that they had and as bruins fans we we knew we heard all about that throughout that series but it's tough you're obviously in a position where it's uh, you know you didn't get to where you wanted to be. You thought that this was going to be another year where they had a chance to do that. They didn't, and then now you've got uh, you know next year to look forward to. And they're going to it looks like run it back. But you know is that going to be enough? Is is that going to be what this team needs? Is to run it back and hopefully resign like a Taylor Hall, Kraychie for lower contracts. I'm assuming that also means they're going to try and re-sign Rask for hopefully a low, low contract. If Rask really just wants to play for Boston at this point, and it's not about anything else, and he just wants to play with his guys, come on. You just got to take a really low contract for us so we can try and build up around you. Take that team-friendly deal, and let's put in some some of that money towards other players around the team. But there's already been reports of Marshan out on the ice training hard right now, probably just missing the fact that he's not out there playing in the playoffs right now. So he has already been reportedly seen in the training camps or, or in the uh, training facility working on his skills. He's ready to go already for next year. Love to hear that. But this team is is going to need a heck of a lot more than just, you know, a, a good attitude and a lot of effort. They're going to need some more forwards, they're going to need some a, a stronger defensive core, and they're going to need their goalie to show up the whole way through. I mean, that's nothing new. You guys know that from me complaining about it throughout the whole playoff series, but that's where we're at right now. So, good to hear that that uh Marshan is out there on the ice and practicing and already getting ready for next year kind of frustrating that bergeron didn't get his selkie award but at the end of the day it doesn't really matter he's already going to go down as one of the best defensive forwards of all time and uh so in reality all we really need is another stanley cup that would legitimize uh that that bergeron Marchand, and Krejci pairing there and core of this team so much more than just having the one stanley cup Now it's time to win you some money with a couple minutes
3: of gambling
0: talk. Okay, let's win you some money with this gambling talk. We got some more picks this week, Uh, and after last week, I mean, we were both basically 500 on our picks. So uh, Cam went four and three. I went three and four. Uh, Cam hit on all four of his baseball picks and missed on all three of his NBA picks. And I was a mixed bag of everything there. So 2-1 uh, and one on my NBA picks. No no shocker there. I tend to be a little bit better on the NBA picks than MLB. So we are going to give you some more NBA and N- MLB picks this week. We're going to see how it goes. My current record stands at 110, 112, and 5. Cam's is at 107, 116, and 4. And as always, I always remind you guys to go ahead and look on the social media sites at the claptrap on twitter and on instagram to get all of the best knowledge about our picks uh so you know who to fade who to follow on what sport they're picking on i've given all the percentages and everything like that so we'll keep updating those as we go along and yeah let's get into the first set of picks
3: yeah best bets of the week yeah, I'm giving you some picks here, starting off with basketball. I'm taking the Hawks, plus 7.5 at the Bucks. They won game one. I don't know if they'll win game two, but they'll keep it close. Trey Young's a beast. Hawks, plus 7.5 at the Bucks in game two. And second game, I'm going to give you Suns Clippers. Over 220 points. Clippers just showed they were going to get back in the series. And I think that if they're going to keep it going, they're going to have to keep scoring. So this one's going to be a high-scoring affair, over 220. Next, I'm moving on to baseball. I'm taking the Rays, minus 1.5 at home against the Angels. The Rays got that Kittredge guy going. And after they just got... Beat up on by the Red Sox pitching staff. I think their bats will be alive in this one against the Angels, who stink. So take the Rays, minus one and a half at home. Next pick I'm going with his Astros, minus one and a half at the Tigers. The Astros are beasts, and they got that Valdez guy pitching. I think he's going to do real good. But on the other side, you got the Tigers who stink. And they got a pitcher, Peralta, who's got over 7 ERA. They're going to give up some runs, and the Astros will win this one by more than 2. Last game, I'm going to give you Indians' money line at the Twins. The Twins got some rookie kid, Colombe. Who's gonna be pitching for his first time? I think the Indians will touch him up here and take this game. So Indians money line at Twins. Best bets of the week.
0: All right, you heard the man. He's got some picks in both basketball and baseball. We'll see how it goes. Seems to be some pretty good reasoning behind why he's going with those picks there. But let's go on to mine. Uh, I am also starting off with basketball here, and I'm going to take the Hawks Bucks. Under 226 in this one here. I think that Trey Young, there's no chance that he's going to show up again the way that he did to that extent. I think that the Bucks are going to probably take this game as well. And I think that uh, to do so, they're going to play good defense here. So uh, in this one, game two, I'm taking Hawks, Hawks Bucks under 226. The next game I'm going to give you is the Suns game. I am taking Suns minus one at the Clippers. I know the Clippers just came back and showed that they can be back in this series. I also know that they've been down 0-2 in every playoff series they've been in and then come back, but I still think that the Suns are the much better team here, and they're going to be able to win this one, so I'm taking Suns minus one at the Clippers. Moving over to baseball. It is game one of Yankees-Red Sox tonight, and I am taking the over ten and a half runs. The Red Sox staff almost through a no-hitter against the Rays, and I do not think that they're going to do that again here. You got uh, Martin Perez on the mound, and so that is going to be, for me, a a no-go here. I don't think that that's going to work out good for the team. I think that the Sox and Yankees bats will be hitting, so I'm taking over 10.5 there. Next game I'm going with is Cardinals minus 1.5 at home against the Pirates. The real reason I'm going with this is because I like that pitcher that the Cardinals have. Uh, His name is Kwon Hyung Kim. Uh, now, his record wouldn't suggest that he's that great, but I do know that he has been in a lot of performances, and the Pirates are not a good team right now. So, they will, you know, even though they've been playing a little bit better offensively recently, I think that the Cardinals will be able to hold on to this one here. So, I am going to take the Cardinals minus one and a half at home against the Pirates. Last game I'm going with is Athletics Giants over eight and a half runs. Reason being that the Giants have. Cueto on the mound, and that guy gives up runs left and right. So I think that that's going to continue here. The Athletics are a solid team overall. And I think that they'll be able to not only win this game, but get to Cueto, who's like basically the worst pitcher, I would say, as far as giving up runs for the Giants. The Giants are a pretty good team overall, but when it comes to their pitching staff, Cueto, I would say, gives up the most runs. So that's my reasoning behind that one there, taking Athletics Giants over eight and a half runs in that game. All right, that'll do it for another episode of The Claptrap. I want to say thank you to anyone tuning in here. Really appreciate the listens that I'm getting from you guys for the podcast. I'm going to keep doing it going forward with all these ridiculous... Takes here, trying to change things up at different points and make it a little bit more interesting for you guys here. But, um, I, I appreciate it, like I said. Uh, if you could go and follow along on Instagram or Twitter at the clap trap I'm also have my own uh page on Twitter at Zach Clap to follow along with and get all the ridiculous takes and tweets and all these nonsensical things that I talk about here. I also post clips about what I'm talking about on those, so please follow along on the social media sites. Um, This is also up on uh, Apple Podcasts, on... Uh, Spotify, on Google Podcasts, any of those that you can listen to. And you can also find my website if you search The Claptrap online. So please give me a follow, give me a like. I would appreciate it. And any comments or suggestions or questions are always uh, wanted here. I really appreciate that kind of stuff from you guys, any of the feedback that I ever get. So thank you again for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and I will talk to you again next week. See you later.